Welcome to the Old Fashioned Breakdown Podcast, a rewatch podcast for the really good TV show Mad Men. My name is Fola Olakumbu. And my name is Helen Varley. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate, comment and subscribe. Have we had any emails yet, Fola? Uh, we, we've had people liking stuff. We've, ah. had, like, we've, got, we've got people uh, liking our Twitter, uh, Twitter page. So ah, thanks, guys. But, oh, and oh, and one thing, one thing. <laughs> you got me on the on a. You got put me on a on a side thing now. Um, we also we got like our highest um download um for the the re the rewatch. No okay. way. Yeah. You guys like it when we don't talk that much, huh? You like it when it's short. Just <laughs> <laughs> see like that, yeah. All right. Um, well. If you do want to get in touch with us, then you can do so on Twitter, which is at breakdown underscore old, or email us on oldfashioned.breakdown at gmail.com. This week, we'll be looking at the at season one, episode 11, entitled Indian Summer. In this episode, uh, Betty and Peggy like to have a wank. Uh, <laughs> Don shows how much of an asshole he really is. Um, and Pete is still the most disliked person in the entire office. No, that's not. Well, that is what happened. But here's what Fola wrote. Uh, he wrote, in this episode, Don gets promoted. Peggy gets promoted after testing out new equipment, going on a date, making a pitch and finally asking for more money. Wow, Fola. Um, Roger has another heart attack and Betty considers buying air conditioning. She did way more than that. <laughs> Can I just say? <laughs> she did. She did a whole lot more than that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you made me, uh, yeah, you put me off now. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, so I want to do this. So I'm go- I've got like loads of stuff I want to say about this. So I'm just going to ask you, what did you think about this episode? Then I'm just going to go on a rant about all kinds of stuff that people won't think is anything to do with this episode. But what did you think? I really enjoyed this episode. Because okay. I felt like, first of all, it was quite amusing. It was quite an amusing episode. Normally, they're quite yeah. like, you're just a bit like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why is this? <laughs> you know, you're trying to an- analyze the conversations. This episode, it was just about good old fashioned, like, getting your getting your knob off or whatever. You know, it's like very much a bit of a sort of short term pleasure, long term pain, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was good. I liked it. I thought there was lots of. Yeah, great scenes in it and i think peggy was a bit of a hero i loved it interesting you say that um i, I i'm kind of i really want to i'm surprised that i was expecting you to say something and you didn't say it and yeah, was it about that, the was it about how outraged i was about how all the men are dicks about women's weight well not what not quite but i would like to hear about that because like <laughs> okay so just so the people just so people at home know um last week you kind of watched a bit early and you kind of watched like the first 10 minutes or something and you were fuming when you, so <laughs> when, you want, when you when you spoke to me about do it. you want to know what's really funny about that so i started watching it and i was like texting Fola, and i was like oh I'm just watching the episode before the the podcast recording tonight and he texted me and was like we're not what we're not we're doing a recap tonight we're not watching the episode <laughs> so i stopped it just at the point before she before she tries on the the device oh did you so so all i'd seen was them basically being like a massive knob to her about how how 
like much weight she'd put on or whatever and then her like trying on this weight machine and I was just like this is gonna be a terrible episode I'm gonna hate everything about this episode I'm gonna be so angry um but yeah so then when I watched it today I was like oh (laughs) I was like oh okay okay I like it it's good that went somewhere that you you did not expect it did and I liked it I enjoyed it okay so what I think about this episode is today's um, philosopher of the week is Simone de Be- Simone de Bavure. She was married to Satter um, Jean Luc Jean Luc Sat- oh, God damn it Jean Luc Picard. No, not Jean Luc Picard. Do you mean, mean Jean Paul Sartre? <laughs> Jean Paul Sartre. That's it. That's the She's married to Jean Paul Sartre, and she is. I don't know if she invented feminism, but she's definitely um, a feminist herself, right? So this episode deals with the big F. We've kind of touched on it all the way through the show, and it's obviously the show is really famous for that kind of stuff. But um, this time, I think this kind of tackles it head on, and uh, it's kind of you could look at it as um, like last week or the last episode that we looked at. We was really about existentialism, and this is kind of like existentialism part two, um, where existential existentialism comes back, and existentialism is bad, uh, and supports the patriarchy, and structuralism is the way to go. And I'll talk about what structuralism. I'll hint, <laughs> talk about that later. Um, but there's loads and loads and loads and loads of themes in this episode, so I'll just go through them, and then we can kind of. I don't know if we can ask questions and, or talk about scenes or whatever. But right. First, so so we've got there's like loads of responsibility because um, uh, Simone de Beauvoir wrote this book called The Ethics of Ambiguity, and it's about what you do with ambiguity and you know your responsibility with with that ambiguity. So how you think about the ambiguous and how you deal with that. Um, it deals with a bit of fantasy because with that ambiguity you can fantasize you can make up stuff it's got lies in there and it talks about like i said feminism and the subject the subjective and objective experience and all these weird things and um simone de, simone de, de bavure had this uh, list of characters who uh that she says and how they deal with um um uh obje- um <laughs> how they deal with ambiguity um, and that list of characters goes like the child, the subman, the serious man, the nihilist, the adventurer, the passionate man, and the tyrant. And at some point during this episode, hopefully, we're going to go through them and try and work out who's who. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's what I think of the show in a nutshell. I guess we should look into some 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 scenes. And before sort of we before we talk about that, can we yeah. can we please talk about Adam? Adam. Oh yeah, Adam. Sorry, yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's talk about just, Adam. That's, just that's very a great quickly. Place to start. Because yeah. what the fuck was that? I was like, this is what I mean. I watched the first like five minutes of this episode <laughs> and I see a suicide and then like a bunch of suits, you know, calling a girl fat to her face. I was like, this is gonna be a barrel of laughs, isn't it? But I, I, I don't know, like why? Good question. Um so well the the, the first thing you need to remember is so he sort of, we see all this thing, just before he kills himself, he puts loads of money down on the thing. Um, and I kind of, again, I've kind of cheated. Um, I was reading a, what was I reading? I was reading the script actually. 
And in the script, um, they cut out the part that where he writes on the notepad and it says, says on the notepad, enjoy. And, um, and also in, um, I can't remember where it comes from exactly now, but there was a philosopher who's directed to this on some level. Oh, that's it. It was Sartre and Camus. Sartre and Camus were talking about, um, they were talking about, um, like war and and how to live your life and i can't remember which one of them it was but one of them suggested that to to cut yourself off or to to take the easy road is to live is is almost to commit phil- philosophical suicide hmm. so what you see at the beginning is obviously adam committing actual suicide because he's got he's got all this money, but he's not happy, so he commits suicide. And then you see Don right at the end, who gets given all this money. He doesn't ask for it; it gets literally given to him. And um, and although he looks happy, we know that well, this, the, the show wouldn't go on if, if everybody was happy with it. Um, and it's this thing of like, and that's that's why I talked about like the objective and subjective experience um, all the way through this. Um, you see loads of people being used um in like objective and subjective ways so like the subjective person would be the boss so someone like cooper um even roger at one point is yeah roger when he comes into the office when they sort of like wheel him into the office and he kind of makes that speech Mm. and they're all they're all standing around him and he says to them all get back to work that's kind of like a really simple way of uh, illustrating subjective and objectivity um, because all the all the I had a had an explanation of what the difference between objectiveness and subjectiveness is but basically objective things can't think for themselves and subjective things can think for themselves that's essentially isn't it I thought it was more like objective is your sort of you're sort of not connected so you have a have a have an almost an unbiased viewpoint where a subjective is you're seeing it yeah. from your own point of view yeah that's that's a that's another way of that's another sort of in a different context that's how you'd sort of explain it so the reason that's up in this episode is because if you watch and i'm not going to go through them all because i i realize that actually going through and sort of doing the easter egg easter egg hunt can get a bit boring but um if you go through the episode you'll see there's loads of examples of people having to make a decision or sort of like trying to work things out like for I'll, I'll, I'll give a couple of examples there's the bit where uh, Don and Betty are in bed and Betty's sort of like trying to work out why Don basically doesn't want to sleep with her and she's like asking you've been busy at work you're really tired and like she never and he doesn't really sort of tell her anything um, there's also the bit where Peggy at the beginning where Peggy comes into the office um to give don his his water and um she just if you watch that scene she just asks a load of questions she doesn't actually she makes sure she knows exactly what they want from her and she's like clear on what everybody's expecting from her Mm. um what else is there there's there's it literally is all the way through the episode like even when she walks into the at the end when she's gonna, gonna do the pitch and she says um where's the chair and um yeah, she's asking where, where she should stand. Also, a chair is an object. So Don is basically objectified all the way through the episode. 
kind of. He's not as objectified as the women, obviously, but he's pretty, um, pretty objectified. Um, but he, yeah, and he and you see a lot of subjective people. So like Cooper's a Cooper Cooper's viewpoint is subjective, in that he's telling everyone what to do. Um, Rogers telling everyone what to do at different points. Don is telling people what to do while at the same time being told what to do. So it's a weird one. Um, so you're gonna say something? No, I was, I was really just interested in Adam. All right, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. But that's what I mean. So the, the reason they show the the reason they show the suicide at the beginning is because philosophically Don commits suicide at the end. I see. So that's what happens there. Yes. Um, what else? Happens All right. Well, let's. Episode? I tell you what. Let's 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 park that for a moment. We can come back at the end, and you can explain to <laughs> okay. me how at the end of the episode Don philosophically commits suicide because I somehow missed that. So uh, anyway, okay. <laughs> no, so- okay. No, no, let me, actually, let me let me let me talk about it now because it's uh, it's actually really interesting. So, well, I think it's interesting. Um. So the. Yeah, so the point is, he is, because he's objectified, because he's not, him taking that job is not giving him the chance to live a full life. He's, he's giving him a lot of money, true, but he's still trapped within this birdcage of this thing that he does. He wants to get out of. He has to be this thing that he's not, he's never really kind of really been at ease with. And he's like, he's trying to get out of that. When, so last last episode when we uh when he sort of like you know he sees that he, see, he sees um roger almost die and he's like you know he, he sort of decides to make a decision and he goes after rachel and he's like he's in love with rachel and he, he wants to he wants to be with rachel and everything and this now obviously it's all kind of worn off a bit and he's like in this maze where malay sorry and you know we see him with rachel but he's kind of He's not as certain about it anymore. He's kind of, do you know what I mean? He's not kind of like, it's not all about her anymore. It's like, well, I have to figure it out. I'm not really sure. And then we get that kind of little thing between Rachel and her sister where they're talking about the films that they saw and this and this guy didn't, you know, try to kill his wife and all that kind of stuff. Um, but at the end of the episode, what we what you see is, so when Don kind of leaves the office, he tells Peggy to go as well. And then he kind of goes home, comes back home, walks into the door and he sees Betty cooking and he says to her, like, um, I, you know, I've just been made partner. And she kind of, she just kisses him on the cheek or she kisses on the lips and then she just like wipes him down and then like goes back to doing her cooking. And it's like, to me, and this is just all the stuff I've made up in my head, so I could be totally wrong. But to me, like Don, when he left the office, he had a choice. He could have gone to go and see um, Rachel or he could have gone straight home. But he ended up going straight home. He betted on going home and sort of like seeing his wife and doing the right thing. He, he made that choice, right? And obviously, by the time he got home, his wife has already made her own choice because she's kind of, you know, she's found the wonders of the uh of the washer dryer or whatever it was <laughs> and she so she's kind of like learned how to take care of herself she's satisfied I, she's satisfied exactly mm. so which is why we also see peggy do the same thing where she's kind of obviously she's uh she's on the uppers now she's kind of her career's going well 
and she just dumps this guy uh, or she didn't dump him but she kind of walks out on this guy that she met at this um this, this she went on this date with and um yeah she's gonna do it on herself as well she's not gonna they don't need men anymore and that's i think this this whole episode is basically the start of kind of like a feminist movement um there's other things as well where you know in the meeting where she's talking i've just been doing all the talking <laughs> i'll stop talking in a second but you know the meeting where she's doing the pitch yes so that meeting has loads of stuff in it it's like basically there's there's the chair there's the the object the the, the chair there's the chair um there's a bit where she says i really wish i could prepare first and um don says to him sorry that's just the way it works mm. and that's the kind of thing that people say to women and marginalized people um all the time it's just like this is just the way it is in fact cooper says it to don later on in the episode as well um and it, it brings me back to this whole idea of existentialism and how existentialism is actually seen as quite a patriarchy, patriarchal thing where it's all about, you know, seizing the moment and, um, you know, taking what you want and just like quite aggressive sort of, you know, just picking your moment, picking whatever you want, pick, picking anything out of a moment and just going for it. And I don't know if feminism or the way, you know, I don't think everybody thinks like that. If you think about a lot of, maybe not exist. If you think about existential philosophers, a lot of them seem to be quite dickish. You know, you got Nietzsche, who's like, if you read read anything from him, he's kind of very much kind of like, I am the I am, I'm the big I am. And you got Heidegger, who was fucking a Nazi, and you've got like, you know, they're all kind of a bit kind of, we've got kind of quite toxic things about them. Um, and the whole point of structuralism, which I'm not going to go into um is it takes things from a different context um but yeah sorry (laughs) i'll let you talk for a bit now what was your favorite scene like um what was my favorite scene that's a good question um i mean i did i did enjoy betty's horny housewife moment um yeah what the um when the guy comes around yeah and i think yeah yeah i mean it's Betty's so weird, isn't she? Like, I just feel like, because I mean, of all the characters, she's clearly. I, I mean, there's almost like a weird, sort of virginal, a virginal theme going on in this in this episode, because it is kind of like, you know, sort of Peggy's reaction to the <laughs> to when she has like an accidental orgasm. It's quite like her, her. She just rips them off, and she's like, yeah, yeah. She's almost like afraid of it. She's afraid of her own sexuality. She's afraid of, you know, her femininity, like her, that sort of stuff. She's like, afraid of her power. Yeah, maybe. but even <laughs> her power—that's what we called it when we were teenagers. No, <laughs> no, but you, no, but you know what I mean. Like, there's something, there's something quite powerful about an orgasm, which is kind of which could freak you out if you've never had one before, or do you know what I mean? Or, I guess so. It's it felt that kind of it's an out of, it's an out of body you. experience kind of thing, isn't it? It's almost like a yeah. you know don't really your eyes are rolling around in your head like marble <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I don't know. So I, I feel like you know that felt very because I was kind of shocked and I didn't really know what she was going to do with that information. So I was quite like interested to see that scene where she tries to go and tell Don, and I was almost surpri- oh, yeah, yeah. I was almost surprised that she did that because a part of me was like that was 
that was clearly a woman's secret. That was clearly all the wives' secrets as to why they still bothered with this thing because actually they were all getting off on it. And she goes in and just blabs the secret to, to Don. Yeah, I think because I'm almost a bit like she does that. She goes in and it's almost like she breaks. That's the point where she she breaks the girl code a little bit because I don't think there's a single other woman in this show that would go up to her boss and say, the reason this thing is so popular is because it, you get you get to (laughs) wank with it on kind of thing, basically. (laughs) And it gives you pleasure because, you know, and I think that's sort of like, and Don's reaction is quite amusing as well. Like he's so sort yeah, of great. unprepared for it. And and well, and he... what's great is 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 again like in that meeting, the first reaction of the men is, oh, they found a way to replace us, have they? And that's exactly <laughs> what it almost is in this episode. It's like each of the women have, uh, the, in this episode have like found a way to replace the man that's sort of feminism. stopping them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is feminism. But I but I think it's it's cloudy feminism because I think it's not as as sort of straightforward as, you know, feminists could be considered just as just wanting equal rights or more for women. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. I think this is a little bit more of, of sort of like a a power struggle. Um, but yeah. under, strain, under sort of sexual connotations and, and, you know, Betty goes through, I mean, of course, Betty wasn't going to say anything, but that whole thing of like, we've had, you know, with, she's she's a total prick tease. Like she invited that air conditioner man in because she, <laughs> She loves a bit of male attention. And as she was heading up the stairs well, and he was following her, like that was kind of weird. Yeah. Well, what what I liked about that, th- that scene is um, when, so when that air conditioning man first comes in, he comes in and all the shots of Betty are like from a high angle. So she looks really small. Hmm. And then when she takes him up the stairs and she, kicks him out the door he's from a lot from a from a high angle yeah so it kind of the power you see the power you actually see the power dynamic sort of change all the way through because it's always like betty kind of like doing this whole sort of girly kind of asking all the questions and like being really interested as this guy kind of tells her all this you know um technical stuff and she's kind of like oh really really and she's you know i mean like they're kind of like toing and throwing and he's trying to be sort of like or manly and stuff and yeah it's just interesting how it's like a uh, a two-way thing did you think that guy was attractive were you into him so actually a little bit yeah which which <laughs> i'd say is unusual for me because he's he wouldn't really be the normal type that i'd go for i mean right, he, he was okay. a little he was quite young and, and a little greasy looking but you know <laughs> I don't know. I, I tend to be. I tend to go for my more mature men. Like of all of them, if I was probably going to go for one looks wise, I don't know how this has happened, and we're talking about this. Um, yeah. Hmm. I. I don't know. Like I do. I. I actually don't mind a bit, Roger. You know. Really. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Roger's a mm. uh, Roger's a cool guy. Little nice. silver fox. <laughs> um, yeah. The interesting. Another interesting thing about that um, that scene uh, when Betty answers the door is. What the salesman says to her, you know, when you don't see, you don't see him, you just like hear his voice. Yeah. He says, I'm from the Frederick Air Conditioning Company, and I'd like to talk to you about an opportunity to live in frozen comfort. Yeah. Does that? Okay. So (laughs) I needed to explain it a bit more. So he basically says that. And like, so in this episode, something that I haven't pointed out is, um, you know, it's really hot. Yes. 
So this, this might sound a bit highfalutin and really pretentious, but the heat to me signifies the heat and the suffocating nature of the patriarchy. Holy Jesus. <laughs> to me, just, to me, yeah. it's like women on heat. Really? Oh, yeah, okay. that's what I think. I thought it was that everyone. That's what Indian summer is. It's that sort of like everyone's a bit gone a bit hippy dippy and sort of, you know, just wants to yeah. fuck around and have a little fun and be free and be a bit hippie-ish. Um, so I thought I thought an Indian summer was just a summer, um, like later on in the month. It is, but it's like you know. I mean, year, I'm sure it's like the it's the last chance for the animals to get frisky and stuff, isn't it? You know, before the oh, winter right. okay. winter snap, I guess. Um, oh, so yeah, so it's like that's this is it. They're all going to go into hibernate. In the next episode, there will be no sex. I think <laughs> probably yeah. <laughs> well, so the 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 reason I thought it was um. The reason I thought the heat has something to do with um, the gender balance and stuff and uh, gender roles and power and all that kind of stuff is because at the end, uh, what does Don say? I can't remember what he says. He says something about, um, oh, it'll be snowing in two weeks. Yeah. Um, when, when, you know, Betty doesn't sleep with him, basically. And also, my favorite scene in this whole episode is... The scene with Betty and Francine. Oh, but she's smoking in front of the, in the baby's room. Yeah, <laughs> she said she says so many weird things in that in that scene. Um, she the, the the weirdest thing she says is one of the first things she says is soon the milk stains are gonna come and meet the sweat stains. Yeah, and what? to me that's just kind of that's like a foreboding sort of like you know the uh, um. It's like so in that um that quote she basically says like the sweat stains and the sweat stains to me are kind of like I don't know work sort of industri- industry and sort of you know the working man and all this kind of crap and uh, the milk stains are like almost like a feminine sort of thing where you know you kind of like they're for babies they're kind of like they're sort of I don't yeah, not even not even that. More sort of like a like a child, maybe like a childlike thing where the two things are going to like clash. And again, it kind of reminds me of the feminism thing, which I don't know. The more I talk about it, the less I kind of believe. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's just like it's five million degrees, and she's lactating, and her nipples are leaking. And so she's like, she's like, this is the reality of motherhood, sort of thing. And also, there's the other thing that she says as well, where she says, like, she talks about heat rashes. And, you know, like, you know what a heat rash is? Yeah. A heat rash is kind of, it's like sweat being, um, it's like caught in the sweat glands and sort of like being trapped. Do you know what I mean? And they're like trapped in that room. They can't get out of that room. They don't want to get out of that room because they don't want to wake the baby. They don't want to make too much noise. They don't want to make a fuss. Do you, do you, you don't see the kind of, you don't see the amazing parallels that this show makes? Not convinced. Um, I mean, they're probably there. I just didn't see them. I was just like, I was just, <laughs> I was just too enthralled by Betty's oddness. Um, okay. And her so like, she's so weird with her friend. She's like, she doesn't just say things like a normal person. She's sort of like, she sort of says half a thing, and then the friend has to prompt her to say more. Like she's like, oh, I accidentally told Don about it, and and then she doesn't say anything else, and her friend's like, and what did he say? Like she sort of. Yeah. 
half finishes stuff and then lets yeah. other people prompt. Yeah, it's sort of she's 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 a little odd one. Is uh is Betty? Um, she's very very strange. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's 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 interesting. So that was one of my uh, that was definitely my favorite um, scene in the episode. Um, try to look for my other ones. What which other ones I really liked? Um, like I said, Peggy's pitch is fantastic. It's really really good. Um, so what did you think? So uh, so it was quite interesting how. Because obviously, um, Pete's still a being a dick, isn't he? And he's like, "Oh, I don't think you should oh, give yeah. it to you. Should give it to her, like, you know." And they ignore him because he's basically ignored throughout the whole episode, isn't he? Like, he's very yeah, he much is. a like, he's just a sort of ghost figure almost. Well, he's kind of just like <laughs> slinking around in the corners, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's because nobody pays him any attention, kind of thing. And I think he sort of wants to be Don, but is never going to be Don. Well, there's two there's two things there. There's like so there's the remember they they had that chat where they're talking about how Don uh, Don is going to get promoted. And yeah. Pete's sitting there and he's all kind of well that kind of, that's a really weird scene. So they basically what what they kind of what I think what that scene's getting at is the fact that all these guys they all look the same and they're all kind of like the same sort of person and it's kind of like they're like crabs in a bucket almost of like who's going to be next sort of to be to be on this kind of conveyor belt to the to the heavens or whatever and it kind of relates to signifiers which I'm not going to talk about because they're way too confusing um but to to put it in like very very short term signifiers are basically signifying the same thing but different versions of the same thing so you know you get it in words where you like any if you pick out a word like like i don't know donkey and you look for that in a theosaurus you'll get lots of different types of words that mean donkey but they're all kind of essentially mean donkey if that makes sense so you get like horse you can get like equine you can get um four-legged animal do you know what i mean you've got like all these different signifiers for mm-hmm. that the, the term horse so and that's kind of what they're talking about there what's really what's really funny about that um scene is one they talk about don and how don has uh there's other people that are like don in the office and then they mention some guy and they use the term fat bold and charmless and i think this is like an in-joke um because a great signifier for who Don is is Matthew Weiner. And I don't know if you've seen Matthew Weiner. <laughs> no, but I'm Googling him right now. <laughs> right. I don't know about the charmless thing. I actually think he's kind of a funny guy. But he's, <laughs> I do know that he got punched by a big celebrity at one point. Or kicked by a big celebrity at one point. So, I don't know. Maybe the shoe fits. Maybe. I feel like that's some sort of like weird in-joke. Where they're taking a piss out of him. Because there's a little beat after he says it as well. Uh, have you found the picture? I don't know if I put in the right person. Oh, what? Have I, what's his name? <laughs> Matthew Weiner. Oh, uh, yeah, not this guy. I was like, he's weird looking. I put in Mark <laughs> Weiner for some reason. Oh, right, what's okay. his name? Ma- Matthew. Sorry, Matt. Matt. Sorry, if you're listening to this, Matthew Weiner, I'm very sorry. Well done on an excellent uh Can we have an series. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's got... Uh, okay. All right. So that's why I thought. Whoa! His wife is really hot. <laughs> oh, he filed for divorce. Sorry, sorry. Oh no, they're divorced. Oh god, I cannot <laughs> stop putting my foot in there right now. 
Um, oh, that's so sad. They were married for 28 years. That's, mm. that's a shame. Um, well, there you go. Maybe he is charmless. <laughs> that just proves I don't know. It. I mean, I think I credit where credit's due. I mean, 28 years of marriage. Like, I've only been alive for 33 years. And yeah, I guess so. Seems like a long time. time. Yeah. Um, I probably could say more about Matthew Wider now, but let's just let's just keep it good and say it's all great. Um, I mean, I don't think he's terrible. He's pretty good looking. The end of that. Sorry. Okay, fair enough. Sorry, fair enough. I'll stop talking about it now. Um, I'm obje- he, I'm objectifying say, him. I'm gonna stop. That scene also ends with um, someone saying, "Cleaning out the guys for us is good." It opens up new spots. Yes. And then and then it cuts to um, Peggy on a date, which I thought was interesting. Oh, Peggy's date. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. what a great <laughs> scene that was. Girl, what did you think of that scene? But also, I mean, this, this scene said a heck of a lot about Peggy, I think. I mean, because like okay. she goes in and she's mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where she, we know she doesn't want to meet this guy. Cause she had the conversation mm-hmm. with her mother about it. So I yep. don't know if she's purposely trying to be obnoxious. What do yep. you think? I think because she got told to to do it, she yeah, she's being obnoxious. Um, I don't. She just clearly doesn't want to be there. Like I said, objectivity is. But when, why? Uh, but being, why doesn't she want to be there? Because she's because within the frame of the episode, anybody who gets told to do something that because this it's like this whole idea of ambiguity, right? So ambiguity, you live your life with ambiguity. The best way to do that is to pick something that you want to do and go for it and make it work. Whereas if someone tells you to do it, like if someone gives you lots of money to do a job or someone gives you lots of money to go away or if someone um, basically gives you, someone gives you anything or tells you to, or someone puts like a glass on your seat so you can wash it or tells you to watch a door. (laughs) <laughs> you're not going to take too kindly to it you have like that's the thing you're being objectified you're being used and that's how betty feel uh, betty peggy feels in this uh scene where she's she's kind of just gone along for the sake of going along to please her mother she doesn't actually want to be there so i feel like that's the overarching um mood of betty as she, uh, uh, peggy as she goes into this um into this date that's what i think all right um Cause i yeah. don't know i thought she was also like she goes in she has a smoke she orders what joan orders i'm assuming yeah yeah so is she like trying to be joan trying to be all like does she my question would be does she think is this success are these small successes going to her head is she gonna end up one of don draper's bad men well i think so i think with that in mind, that hi- that idea of like picking what you want to do and just doing what you want, I feel like Peggy in this scene is supposed to be. There's loads of ways to read it. Like one way, to, one way you could read it is she's trying to, like you could say that one of the themes is fantasy, and she's like living out some fantasy of being Joan. Mm. But that's not necessarily how I see it. So I see it as more that if you think about the idea of ambiguity and not knowing who you are or how to sort of navigate the world what you end up doing is you end up um you end up looking at something and copying it so you don't necessarily make your own mind up a lot of the time you're sort of a lot of the things we do like let's say um carl her date he sort of mentions that he doesn't like um advertising because it's just like it's just like 
um, pictures on a wall screaming at you, right? Telling mm. you what to do. And that's kind of what Betty... And like, there's another point when, um, when Rachel and her sister are having a chat. Um, they start talking about TV and how that um, the TV show like gives a like makes how she learned from TV shows that men never leave their wives and they'll end up killing them and all that kind of stuff. And it, it starts off quite normal, but then goes a bit too far. Like no one's going to get killed, right? And I feel like that's what Peggy's doing. She's kind of uh, she, she she basically she orders a drink that um, that Joe normally drinks. And there's one point where um, she doesn't open her her menu until the guy that she's on the date with opens his menu, and she doesn't talk. She starts talking about um, uh, glasses, you know, like how they freeze glasses in in Manhattan or something in Manhattan bar. Oh yeah. She she only mentions that after the guy picks up his glass and pours something into it. So she's kind of like taking all these cues, and he's basically telling her what to do, and she's kind of not. In this scene, she hasn't really found herself and she doesn't really know what she wants. It's not until she makes the pitch that she then goes into Don's office and sort of like, you know, demands more money. Yeah, I don't know. I I think, I don't know. I got I get the impression there's a bit of snobbery going on here, right? On, on Peggy's Oh, part. yeah, yeah, definitely. No, 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 yeah, hit, no. Hit, hit me out, hit me out. So it's like, so her mum wants her to, obviously wants her to get married. All mothers do. My mom, mother has been asking me to get married for the best part of like, 20 years or whatever um <laughs> you know and i think it's because there was a point there i mean i get i kind of get what you're saying about being told what to do but she did not have to do that she didn't have to do that whereas exactly. you know whereas hilda gives pete campbell a gobful when he's like keep an eye on that door and she's like i'll watch it really did closely because i don't have anything she, else to do i love that did line she, did, did she give him a gobful though or did she just like basically just tell him exactly what he told her to do but this is but this is but like, that's what, it, oh like, no clear. she's so sassy i love her she's great um <laughs> she he's like got the proper like she hates him doesn't she oh it's brilliant she, um <laughs> it's so funny though but yeah she's so so <laughs> who do you think you're talking to <laughs> i know i know and she's just like i'm not scared of you um so yeah i think she sort of goes into this into this date thinking that he, this guy is a truck exactly what he says ultimately yeah is that she he is exactly he's that's the point he's really clear about what he is he knows exactly what he is unlike betty who's kind of all over but Peggy, she who's all over the place but she thinks that she is too good for him because everything that he says to her like it's fine that he doesn't like advertising but she gets very defensive and it's kind of like and you can see her behavior i mean i've I've just said maybe it's echoing joan but maybe it's echoing don because at the same time like he's he'd be smoking a cigarette he'd be having a glass of alcohol of some description Mm. maybe not that but he comes in and she says that line which is like um he says oh advertising doesn't work on me and she's like that's how you know it's good advertising when people think it doesn't work on them and that's such a don draper thing to say that it's almost like she's she's becoming this kind of like almost like she's sort of trying to emulate him in a a completely different way to what pete is and the two of them are on parallels almost going after the same thing and she's succeeding and he's not and it's kind of like but i and i got that whole thing from him that she just basically isn't interested in this as as a kind of thing at all and he's this guy this poor guy is just like i just wanted wanted to go out buy this girl a nice meal and (laughs) have a nice time and yeah, she's totally. just not having any of it. She's being a, a total sort of 
diva about it and trying to be come across as being this like super smart Manhattan. But she can't she can't fool the world just yet. Maybe she can yeah. soon, but because she's not there, she's kind of this is like a thing that she's she wants to be that she's trying to be, but she's not there yet. And then that evolution yeah. that you talked about about sort of so let's just fast forward from through the pitch for a minute. Um, I mean, yeah. I would like to talk about the rejuvenator at some point. Um, <laughs> But you know that bit where he he goes into the, she she goes into the office and she's like I'd like my own desk, and he's oh, like yeah. you've got to ask for more you've got to go in big and then she's like I want to raise a five dollars an hour and he, he's yeah. oh a week isn't it and he's yeah. he's just like this is pathetic, yeah. like do you know what I mean like she's asking for she could have asked for thirty dollars or whatever but she's gone yeah. in at like a reasonable amount, um, yeah. but it's baby steps because you know she's at least asking for that stuff now and rather than like you said in that first bit where she goes in and she's asking them more questions in this bit mm. she comes in and she's like i want this 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 yeah um and also after that when when i kind of hinted at it in the intro but after that when she when cooper comes to get don he basically takes don and and don says to um uh peggy uh, you've got to ask for it like you, you did a pitch like a man now you've got to ask for a raise like a man yeah and uh, and then he goes gets taken away and literally gets given an entire sort of like raise and uh uh more money and everything like for doing nothing like literally just standing there. yeah <laughs> but i wonder if there's like but he's but the thing is i think there was desperation like had roger not had his heart attack yeah, and we still haven't talked about Roger and his makeup with Joan. Um, yeah, we have. But, yeah, but you know, and if he hadn't had, there's like a domino effect there, isn't it? Because if, if he that hadn't happened, Don wouldn't have been asked to have been partner. That was a jerk. Yeah. That was a knee jerk reaction because Cooper, who supposedly like runs the business, is basically seems to be a bit shit and can't really, apart from the schmoozing side of things. Yeah, is actually pretty rubbish. Um, so he needs he needs someone to to fall back on. But it's almost like it's almost like he's like because you you never see him outside of the building, right? No. Cooper, he's almost like Betty, but Sterling Cooper's his house, and he never leaves. But he doesn't have he doesn't seem to have an awful lot of power in some senses. Yeah, he gives jobs and stuff. Yeah, he, he just he's almost he's like you know I was talking about um, signifiers. Yeah, he's like the main signifier, and everything else, all the other sort of like Cooper, Don. And all the boys in the in the in the office, they're all kind of the signified of him. Yes. Which is why yeah, yeah. it's kind of which is why it's kind of um, significant that Peggy gets this raise because it's like things are changing. Um, well, we were going to talk about something. Oh yeah, we were going to talk about Joan and. Um, oh, it broke my heart a little bit. This scene because he was so. She was like. I think she's come to realise that he means more to her. Uh, uh, sorry, she, he, yes, he means more to her um, in a, in a romantic sort of emotional sense. Um, yeah. And she's like been looking forward to this big reunion. She comes in, she's putting on his makeup, and he's talking about her. What is it, what does he got? Roam those well, hills, roam those hills. <laughs> hills and valleys, and I'm just like, oh my god, this poor girl, and she's like trying hard not to cry. Oh. Well, that's that's another object objective objectification, isn't it? Um, he's the he's he's objectifying her, and also 
we didn't really talk about it, but um, in last in the last episode that we did, uh, whatever it was called, long weekend. Um, actually, we did. So the whole daddy issues thing. Oh yeah. So she again. That's another. That could be another signified thing, right? If you think about Joan and not just Joan in this episode, but Joan in the last episode when she brings those guys home, those like really old guys. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, why is she with those guys? And it's basically, I see it as her kind of looking for some sort of father figure. That's how she feels about, um, and, and, and all these different father figures are kind of like, you know, they're signified sort of father, father, they're signified versions of her actual father. We don't know what happened to her actual father, but that's kind of what I get from it. Mate, do you know what? It does make sense. It does make sense. As someone who's had her own fair share of daddy issues. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to would you like to tell us more? We I'm can, a, I'm can a, have a session if you want. I mean, yeah. let, let's do it afterwards. I'll, I'll, I, do you know what? I'll just tell my psychiatrist and then uh, you can just call him up and ask what I said ah, in my psychiatrist no, session. Just friend. like what Don, Don does. Yes. <laughs> well, that's... Yeah. Um, done. That's I. I find that so weird. I find it so weird. It's it's all like it's all a control thing, right? It's all it's all done trying to get. Um, I don't know. But it's not. I feel like he genuinely doesn't understand why Betty would be unhappy. Well, okay. So I've I've got a massive, I've got a massive theory about this, and we're coming up to like almost ten minutes towards the end, so. I'll try and keep it quick, but whew, God, how do we, where do I even start with this? So we know that Don is afraid of Pete taking his job, right? Right. I think I think like I'm trying to I'm going to try and explain Don's cheating and why he cheats. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I can't wait to hear this. This is uh, it's not. It's, I don't think it's perfect, but it's kind of yeah. We know that Don is afraid of Pete taking his... Well, at the beginning of the first episode, we know that Don's afraid that Pete's going to take his job, right? Right. Um, we also know that Don is trying... He's not trying to sleep with any girl. He's just trying... He's, he, he, t- he tends to have a type. They, used to, they, they tend to be like mature and strong sort of women, sort of, you know, around his age sort of thing. And very independent, right? Yes. Uh, and we know... He split with Midge because we saw that. Yep. Which leaves him with just Rachel. Right. And last episode, it was implied that Don, like, so I didn't really go into this, but like in the last episode, we kind of impl- it was it to me it's implied that Don has kind of like mummy issues. You know, okay. The same way that. <laughs> so Don has like mummy issues, and he's kind of he's looking for a substitute mother because. Uh, I think it's because he, like, he has like latent feelings of not being loved and protected as a child. So he kind of looks for women that can do that to him. Um, and he kind of, at the end of the, and and ever since he gets his raise, he temporarily feels like protected, like he's, like he can look after himself, sort of thing. Mm. So when he goes when he goes back to so he goes back to his wife he goes back to his wife who's quite childish and quite sort of like you were saying she's like really childish and really kind of immature and the reason he cheated on her before was because he saw her as immature and she and, and he was worried about his job and he was worried about life and he was having an existential dread moment and he needed someone that could look after him in the moment 
and that's why he ran to to Rachel. But now that that's over and he's kind of got all his money back and he's happy, he runs back to his wife. Um, only thing is, his wife now has worked out how to look after herself. So when she's kind of like, when he goes over to kiss her and he wants, he, he looks like he wants to take her to bed or whatever, she kind of like kisses him on the lips and like, you know, ruffles, like sort of straightens out his like suit and like holds his hand and then just goes away and makes the food. It's kind of, it's like she's kind of matured just when he's ready for her to be like, you know, a little girl again and he can do what he wants with her. Do you think that uh, Don gets angry with Betty and calls the psychiatrist when Betty makes him feel like less of a man? Because the thing is, all his relationships... So with Midge, he, he clearly was like the higher earner. Um, with Rachel, he's just like... She's like, I guess, an older woman, like independent but she's lonely um but the thing is it's not his job to make those women happy so he feels less of the pressure whereas with betty betty and they're easy to make happy as well because he you know goes over there and has sex with them and tells them everything they want to hear um but then he goes home and with betty it's different because she you know she's unhappy and he's he feels like he's given her all that he can give her and she's she's still not happy and it threatens his masculinity in I, a way. I don't think i don't think that i don't think that's what he was upset about i think he was upset i think what he said he's really telling what he says to the doctor in that scene he basically says i thought you were i thought you were going to make her strong but i can't leave her alone and i think that's before he gets the raise right so he's like at that before he gets that raise he wants to leave he's like he's literally like i want to leave her for rachel but he's so this is another thing of like the ambiguity of things right um the problem with ambiguity is you don't know what's going to happen and uh, simone de beauvoir says you should just jump into that ambiguity you should take the bull by the horns and you should just run with it Mm. that's what um that's that's your that's your responsibility as a human being is to try and change things, try and make things better, jump into the unknown and make things better and and make change and stuff. And Don can't do that. He's too scared. He's too scared to kind of... Um, he's too scared to make Betty feel bad. I don't know. He needs that kind of... Do you know what I mean? The, you know that thing you get when you don't want to dump someone because you don't want to hurt their feelings, but it doesn't really help them because it's like you're just treating them like a child. Um, he kind of has that sort of thing where he's... he's he just doesn't want to make that decision he's too scared mm. and he says that to the doctor and the thing um yeah oh darn <laughs> uh, i think we're go- i think we're coming up on the end of it we've right got like five minutes left is there anything we haven't talked about um, probably loads. i mean another classically good loads. dress from joan today the purple one with the the sort of nice collar that was lovely I noticed um, that. Yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> uh, just going through the scenes now. Um, We've done. Oh, we. Oh, do, there is one scene that we didn't do. Is that the the lucky strike being? Yes. Yeah. Let's do that quickly. Yeah. Okay. Um, because I feel like that's another one where. Okay, so Simone de, de Beauvoir. She's talking about something I haven't said already. Is that a lot of what she was talking about was 
you know, feminism and sort of like striking out against oppressors, basically, and sort of, you know, revolution and all this kind of stuff, but in a very French female kind of way. And um, I feel like you get a lot of that in this in in this in this scene. So the scene opens with um, the the big boss guy sort of like going through the cigarette butts and going, just making sure these are all ours. I know that's so weird. <laughs> like, oh, what a weirdo. Yeah, this kind of is like quite an oppressive thing to do. Isn't it? It's a joke, but he's kind of obviously trying to like make sure you're not allowed to smoke any other cigarettes apart from ours. That's quite oppressive. But what's really cool about this scene is even though it starts off with them being like, you know, in the real world, they're the like, they're the oppressed, you know, they're all the middle class, rich white men, blah, blah, blah. They're all kind of like, you know, they're the enemy, whatever. Right. And, um, and and it starts off with that, but then it turns them into the oppressed and they're fighting against the FTC. But instead of doing, I guess, the brave thing and sort of like, you know, not necessarily that we want them to do that, but instead of them doing the brave thing and sort of like standing up to the FTC and sort of like tackling them head on and sort of going for it, what they talk about is like holding back and waiting and um, they talk about blame as well. They talk about, <laughs> they talk about how, what was it that um, Roger says? Blame is one thing, malice is another. Okay, so I'm just going to read this. It's like a twisted scene of oppression, only in this case, the cigarette firm and the an S&P are being oppressed by the FTC. But instead of fighting, they decide to essentially wait until tomorrow and put it off because they, they want to see how things are going to go. So they kind of like, well, we don't know what they're going to do, so we can just wait and maybe nothing will happen. Um, and what they really should be doing, like when you're sort of in those situations of ambiguity, you're supposed to just go for what you think you should do. You should do the right thing and make take action. Um, Don makes a speech about waiting to see if the share drops off before they run for the hills looking for a new campaign. And like a campaign, uh, a campaign could be looked at in the same... Uh, from the psychological view as a project and like a project is anything that can kind of um, occupy your mind so you're not thinking about death you're thinking about I don't know watching tv or smoking your next cigarette or which girl you're gonna bang next or you know just kind of like all these different things that occupy your mind from the fact that you're uh, one day you're gonna die and um, yeah it kind of I like how it all sort of you know, weaves into the, the plot and stuff. There's loads of other things as well, but I can't be asked. <laughs> and that, guys, is how we're going to end the podcast today. Fola's just you given know? up. He's like, I don't want to edit any more of these two-hour podcasts. So he's like, keeping it to an hour. We've got about 10 seconds left. I genuinely don't. Like, two hours is way too long. All right. Um, when when Don's made his speech, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, after this, I'll stop talking. But after Don's made that big speech... Um, Lee Senior asks uh, Roger um, if it's true and Roger says <laughs> if he says it's true it's true and it's kind of like to me it's like Roger blaming sort of like putting the blame or all the responsibility onto onto Don um, which is another little thing that but you know that scene as well it's kind of obvious but that scene kind of uh, recalls the very first scene so that the very first Lucky Strike scene and it ends like so that the very first lucky the very first lucky strike scene has Don saying he's gonna be okay, right? To himself, kind of lying to himself, 
And Roger is doing exactly the same thing when he has the meat sandwich in his hand. Only he doesn't actually say it. He just has the meat sandwich in his hand and acts like he's going to be okay. He's lying to himself as well. Not taking responsibility and blaming it on his wife. So all of that stuff's in there. And that's why I think this episode is about responsibility and ethics. Like, I've got to stop reading out these fucking... <laughs> these Easter eggs. <laughs> I feel like they're the most boring thing. I might as well, might as well just be going through like a I telephone mean, director. The, uh, the, the audience may appreciate them. <laughs> you say that you don't... <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, they just kind of go over my head a little bit. I'm just like, not, okay. I'm just a bit dense when it comes to that sort of stuff. I'm like, like that, I mean, to me, an Easter egg is like cool chocolate stuff, not like, and they reference this philosopher who, <laughs> by, 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 you know, the way he picked up his glass. It's like, no, mate. Well, if you feel the same way as Helen, you should. Call it right. If you do feel the same, you're probably not listening. So oh, yeah. uh... well, no, no. I mean, you'll probably you love. They'll love it when when the emails start flooding in. Um, you know, yes. they'll they'll all be they'll all be your fans. You're gonna have more Instagram followers than me. It's, <laughs> it's all good. Um, I don't think I will. But there we go. Um, all right, I guess then. We should call it a day, shall we? Yes. So please, if you have enjoyed today's episode, do drop us a line to tell us uh, that you enjoyed it. If you didn't. Please also email us, email us, but we won't read that one out. So um, the details are all in the bio uh, and at the top of this podcast. Uh, so that means all that is left to say is... Don't forget, everyone, Sopranos is even better. I really want to do one more thing on this. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> bye, everyone. It's, it's, it's so good. Bye. It's so bye. 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 <laughs>